0: a high-end designer, or a lot of money to get a luxe look, be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. This month is all about gratitude, and I must say I've been feeling very grateful. Even though my house is total chaos, even though business is really busy, even though I have a lot going on, I've definitely been finding a lot of peace living in the woods and a lot of space mentally, not just physically, but mentally to have new feelings of, you know, appreciation move in on me, especially in this month, right? Which has, of course, Thanksgiving and lots of reminders to be thankful. But I must say, living in the country has been Freeing in a way. My mind is not so busy. I'm not always kind of caught up in things. And I can really take a second to step back and say, wow, that's cool. Wow, this is nice. Okay. And it's not just giving thanks for my surroundings or, you know, the house, the land whatever, right? It's also about giving thanks and having space to remember the people who support me, who help me, of course, my family. But today I want to specifically shout out to the people who make this podcast a reality. We are a very small team, but I must say they are integral to me being successful for the past seven years in this medium. I just show up record this stuff and send it off, sometimes with very little notice, sometimes with less less than perfect audio, sometimes a little blips like I just did there. And my team makes me sound so good, makes me look so good, is behind the scenes actually putting this up, giving me strategy, telling me what I need to do. You know, I started this podcast journey as a big fan of Katherine Hellers, who is currently my podcast producer and has been ever since the start. She's so amazing. She runs the podcast shop and, and not only is she a dear friend. But she's an amazing podcaster. She has Tell the Bartender and she used to have my favorite podcast, The Struggle Bus. Whenever I'm feeling a little lonely, I just uh, go back and listen to another episode of The Struggle Bus. Even though they're no longer creating new episodes, it always warmed my heart and just uh, was a really special show. And listening to her shows inspired me to want to do my own show. I reached out to her because we'd gone to college together, but really hadn't been in each other's orbit since then. And She offered to help me, and I hired her to produce my podcast so that all I had to do was talk about my favorite things, and she would slice and dice it. She not only would come to my office back when I was in Brooklyn and bring all of the gear and actually record me right there in the spot. She'd also coach me when I was feeling a little bit down because this was an intimidating medium at first. And I really leaned on her because she's such a cheerleader. She was always telling me, Betsy, you're doing a great job. Betsy, I love it when you did this. And then, you know, really pulling those pieces out of my content and saying, listen to this. This is really good. I think you should do more of this really guiding me, not just because I was peeking at her podcast and looking at what they were doing and being like, oh yeah, that's so good. Let me see. But she aligned me with Aton the embassy who created our intro music. She aligned me with the announcer who is so amazing and uh, just has a great voice and really sets the tone for the show. Uh, And she's just been a resource all along the way. So I want to share my gratitude for her. If you guys are thinking about making a podcast or podcast curious, you know, check out Catherine Heller at the podcast shop because I would probably not have a podcast right now without her and sending her so much love. On a friend level, on a producer level, uh, the gratitude is overflowing. And then in the past few years, I've had another helper come onto my team. So I hired the Savvy Podcast Agency. Ginny Sanasan and her team uh, are the ones who help to grow us on YouTube, the ones who help us with our social media, the ones who put the show notes out because that was way too much for me. For years, you guys were clamoring, Betsy, we want to see the pictures. We want to read the show notes. Where can we see more? And I was like, I don't know. That's not happening. My bandwidth is totally maxed out. And then I don't even remember how, but magically, Jenny came into my life and has taken over all of that and has given you guys those additional resources that you tell me that you love each and every week. And I'm so grateful to have these team members because we are small but mighty. And I wouldn't be able to do this the same way without them. So just wanted to show them a little bit of gratitude. I wanted to show them the um, gratitude I truly feel every week when I record this podcast, but I don't always say, right? Because saying it every week, well, that'd get pretty redundant. But I do want to let you guys know that this takes a team. It's not a one-woman show, even though you guys are hearing one woman. There's other brilliant women behind the scenes powering this little engine that could. Speaking of gratitude, If you like this show, if you like the amazing work that Catherine, Jenny, and myself are doing, show us the love by going to iTunes and leaving a review. As you know, this is the very last week for our contest. All of November, we've been running a contest where if you write us a five-star review on iTunes, I'm going to take three of the people who wrote this month, and I'm going to send them a digital file of our feng shui class. The feng shui class is filled with tips that I don't often get to share on this podcast. podcast because people don't often ask me about feng shui. So I think it's a really cool way to go deeper into sort of the subject matter and also to save 40 bucks because typically that class is $40 online. So get your free class by spending four minutes writing a review. You'll be entered to win. I'll pick three people out and announce them on next week's show. Without further ado, let me dig into the mailbag and get to your questions. My first question comes from Annette. Annette is writing all the way from California and she says, Betsy, I was so happy to hear about your adventurous paint plan for your new home. Last year, we had our hallway painted in Benjamin Moore Wisteria, our powder room in Benjamin Moore Summer Plum. We have loved and continue to love it each and every minute. My photos don't do it justice. This year, there will be some Benjamin Moore exotic purple coming to another room. P.S. Thank you for saving me. We repainted our great room in a white and you persuaded me not to make the ceiling a contrasting color and finish. You were absolutely correct. I do have a question. We have our original one piece vinyl floor in a 10 foot by 12 foot kitchen along with a floor rug I designed that goes over it. We may replace the floor, but we think tile is a hard surface underfoot for a kitchen. Do you have alternate ideas for kitchen flooring? We have white cabinets and black granite with a lot of other color and texture in it. So, you know, typically I don't handle renovations. So I don't typically pull out anybody's flooring or change it or anything like that. Typically, we're working with what is there. Uh, so, you know, it sounds like you are set on pulling out the flooring versus just covering it with an additional covering. I love tile in the kitchen right now. I have hardwood in the kitchen, and it is so frustrating because it gets wet quite a bit. Even if you weren't worried about, say, the fridge leaking or the dishwasher leaking, my kids are constantly like washing their hands, not using a towel and just shaking it, and there's water droplets everywhere. Um, Somebody must have dropped something hot because there's like a burn mark on the wood. So I love tile because these kinds of things won't create imperfections, right? It's kind of more durable and... Just looks better over time, in my opinion. I know that hardwood is very popular. Now, you could do something like a luxury vinyl plank that appears to be hardwood, but is much more durable. You could do, well, I mean, I did in my basement vinyl. It didn't look very expensive, but the flooring was uneven, and I wasn't going to be able to anything use anything that wasn't pliable. So it couldn't be tile. It couldn't be the luxury vinyl plank because it didn't have any give. So we wound up putting like this laminate type sheeting. Uh, Back when I was growing up, what did they call that? I had it on my floor and I just hated it. What were those called? Those laminate floors. It's just, I just lost it because normally I would know. My mom was so proud of it and she thought it was so great, but it always felt sticky. She actually still has it. Um, And it came in a big roll what is that called? Mom, if you're listening, uh, oh, I don't remember what it's called because people don't really use it anymore. But you know, there's not an endless variety of options. I always think tile is classic. I mean, I might go with larger format tiles than you have here, which do make it look a little bit dated because you have the small four inch by four inch squares. Uh, You know, right now, it seems like the floor rug is kind of meant to cover up the flooring. You're kind of using such a huge rug for the space that it looks more like wall-to-wall carpeting than actually an area rug for this small circular pub table. So I would challenge that. You know, it looks like you're ashamed of something and trying to cover it up. And I'm glad to hear that you're going to rip it out if you feel that way. You just want to be mindful that I wouldn't do anything white again because the white with the white cabinets just looks off or a little bit dirty. And that's how I feel about all white on white on white kitchens right? One of the whites is never going to look like a pure white because they're never going to exactly match. And even if they do exactly match on the day that you install them, the sun is going to fade them in a different way. And typically the wood is going to yellow just a little bit, meaning that they're always going to look cream and the floor is going to look white and the marble countertops are going to be stark. And it's just never going to look clean and fresh. It's going to look like you shopped at the white store and they all kind of go together, but are kind of different. I just hate white on white on white kitchens. So I love that you have kind of this taupe countertop. It looks like a granite uh, with a bullnose that's a little bit brown and a little bit gray. So I feel like you could go in the direction of gray or of brown for the flooring. Like I said, I don't have a strong aversion to tile like you do. And I think you'll find that the selection is limited, especially because in some of your pictures, I can glimpse the other room and see that you do have wood floors. I don't love wood floors touching other wood floors when they don't match. And I really hate tile wood, you know, tile that's meant to look like wood, those faux wood tiles touching real wood floors. I think it looks very mismatched, very uh, weird, like you're trying to be the same, but of course you're not even the same in color, texture, or material. Uh, Yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of misses for me. So it's either tile or... You're not going to do the vinyl laminate. No, that happens in 1980. Yeah. All right. Can you see I'm a little fried today, guys? I'm feeling very grateful, but I'm also feeling very depleted because this is actually the week of Thanksgiving. Now, as my podcast producer, or it wasn't the producer, it was Jenny, who's like the social media producer. As she instructed, most podcasters take off around the holidays. They take off the week of Thanksgiving. They take off the week of Christmas not me. Do you know why? Do you know why, even though I'm depleted and tired and trying to order a turkey and trying to host family, do you know why I'm podcasting right now? Because I am a podcast listener, a voracious podcast listener. I listen to at least three podcasts a day, up to five sometimes. Uh, I get so sad. I get so lonely. I feel so... um, emotionally empty when my favorite shows take off because what am I going to listen to? And yes, Jenny, you are right. They typically take off around the holidays and then I have nothing to listen to. And when I need to, you know, get a little me time away from the family or while I'm cooking, I want to listen to like an amazing show to inspire me and just make everything more fun. There is nothing new in my feed. I would never do that to you guys. I know you love podcasts just like me and I'm going to create piping hot fresh content for you just like i'm going to create piping hot fresh food for my family because i know they will enjoy it and i know you will enjoy it so there we go there we go that's that's my rant and this is my thanksgiving offering to you and now it's time for a quick commercial break do you love this podcast do you wish you could learn even more well we have an online class bundle Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. Next question comes from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Sue is writing in. She writes, Hi, I've been looking for a velvet bed. They all seem to be low profile like this one from Wayfair. While I like the look, I also like to use the under bed storage space. If I find a higher bed, are bed skirts out of style? I see these two kinds of bed skirts the most. Will it look out of touch? These are from Pottery Barn, and I can't decide which to buy. All right, so yes, bed skirts are not ideal. Bed skirts do look uh, dated. Bed skirts are problematic because they're a little schlumpy, dumpy. Uh, They're just not contemporary. And so in a contemporary space, I don't tend to use them. Now, if I'm designing in a traditional space or even a transitional space, they could work with that style quite well. But with this kind of contemporary bed that you're showing me that has clean lines, it does have the tufting, but um, it's very linear, very sleek. I just worry that a bed skirt is going to look weird. Now, of course, you understand that a low profile bed does not take a box, or not a box spring. It also doesn't take a box spring, but it doesn't take a bed skirt. If you need a bed skirt, and I do think you absolutely need a bed skirt if you've got a metal bed frame. And have just attached a headboard to it, but don't have like the actual base of the bed, right? So if you have a metal bed frame, you absolutely need a bed skirt. And if you do like to store a lot of junk under there, then you need a bed skirt, but it only works with, you know, certain types of bed surrounds or bases. Uh, when selecting a bed skirt, you want to go with something that's very minimal. I like them to be sleek. Uh, they have ones called box pleat. You want to look for ones that are called tailored. You want to find ones that, um, like have maybe a simple break in the middle, but otherwise are very flat. I don't like any bed skirts that have puckering, that have ruffles, that have ridges, anything that has any movement. No, no. Then it's like, ah, well, you know, I love a grandma as much as the next gal. In fact, there's a grandma in the room next to me who's about to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal, but they can take their bed skirts with them when they leave because I hate the ruffly frou-frou bed skirts. I don't care what style you're designing in. They are not okay. So as long as you leave the ruffles alone, as long as you pick a bed that requires a bed skirt or are using a metal bed frame, which makes it very affordable. And with the metal bed frame, you can heighten the bed with the risers. You just want to make sure to get a longer bed skirt. And they do have longer bed skirts, but you want to look for that in the description and the dimensions. So that way it completely goes to the floor and covers all your storage bins and boxes. And let me just remind you, Sue, even though I'm sure you remember... Then when we put storage under our bed, according to feng shui, the energy from what's ever under our bed comes up through the mattress and impacts our sleep. So you want to make sure that the things that you're storing under the bed have restful connotations. No back taxes, no high school homework. This is the perfect place for off-season clothes or for skis, things that have either restful or positive connotations for you rather than things that maybe are stressful or chaotic. Speaking of chaotic, you want to make sure if you do have clothes under there that they're folded nicely, that if you are using those underbed shoe storage boxes, that the shoes are partnered nicely because that chaos from just shoving stuff under there will also percolate and come up and disturb your sleep according to feng shui. Guys, speaking of feng shui, have you heard about the contest? <laughs> I'm plugging this contest because it's the very last week. If you go to iTunes and share a review, a five-star review about your experience with us in the show, you'll be entered to win our contest. Three people who leave a review will be receiving my feng shui class. It's an online class that you can take when you want, as you want. I'll send you the file as the winner, and you can watch at your leisure. Guys, speaking of leisure, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you get some rest. I hope you around the table are slightly more articulate than I was today. I hope you're able to eat all your favorite foods. And know that while I'm grateful for my team, I'm also very, very, very grateful for you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word. And I will see you next month. Bye. Bye.